Let's look at the story. Now, man, verse 1, named Lazarus, was sick. He's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. These are good friends of Jesus. And we know this story because in this story, Lazarus dies. And I look at Lazarus. Why did Jesus allow this story to unfold? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Lazarus represents many of us who will die before we see Jesus come. Some of you sitting in here, it's a bit sobering because death is the enemy. Maybe me, myself, I I don't know. I've asked the Lord, will I see the second coming? He's never given me an answer. And I I truly, I've asked him, will I see the second coming? I've never got an answer from him. I, I might have to lie my head down and die. And some of you may have to too. There are people in this church this morning, there are people watching this on live stream, on television, who have lost loved ones. Uh, in fact, let's just have a straw vote. I, I'll vote. Who's lost someone here they love? Hi. Just about everyone in the church. Just about everyone in the church has lost someone they love. Lazarus in this story represents all those who will live on the earth and die before they see the coming of the Lord. And that's the vast majority of those who will be in heaven. And you know what? We are all sick. And we are all dying. And sometimes, you know, I'm a pastor. I've got to go visit people in hospitals, uh, especially very sick people. Uh, And so you go in to visit these sick people. And it's interesting. Everyone faces death differently, some with courage, some with no courage. I remember early in my ministry, an old man, he had been a man actually who had, had mocked Jesus to me. But as he's dying, he grabbed hold of my hand. He died and I literally couldn't get my hand out. of He died in fear. I've seen others die in courage. Uh, um, but it amazes me as I, I watch people dying and I watch the families around them. Everyone reacts to death differently. Um, everyone responds in a different way. And yet, as I watch the family and you see the sorrow, especially if someone's got cancer or a disease like that, and you see the sorrow on the family and everyone's so sorry for them and you look at and I've often thought to myself, you know, we're all feeling sorry for this person who's got cancer, rightly so, and yet every single one of us has a deadly disease in this world and we're all sooner or later going to die. Am I, am I right? We're all under the condemnation of death. And it's an awful thing. And this is not a truth the church only knows. They know it out there. But the older you get, the more you realise that you are just here for a finite time. I turned 50 last year. I'm 51 now. In a couple of months, I'm 52. No presents. Don't talk about it. I don't want to know. <laughs> but every year, one of the reasons it drives me in ministry is I know my time is limited that I have left to tell people about Jesus. I'm 52 in a few months. So far, I'll be retiring at 67, but I'm probably going to tell the conference I worked to 70, 75, 80. If I got, I'm be one of these old guys that'll be trying to push out because I don't want to stop. But I know that eventually I'll have to. Lazarus is us, and death is random. My farm out there at St Albans. Sometimes I got a I got a cemetery over the road from my farm. I'm growing big trees because I realise one day. If I've got to sell that place, people don't want to buy something next to a cemetery. But I go up into that cemetery and I walk around. It's an old cemetery. Sometimes I go down to the really, really old cemetery at St Albans, which is First Fleet stuff. There are people in the First Fleet in it. I walk around these, these two cemeteries 
And I read the tombstones, do you know? Oh, some of the people on those tombstones are infants, babies, children. That's why Stephen Fry is so angry. Some of them are young people. The majority are under 40. Then, and it's a nice change, if, if there can be a nice change in a cemetery, to see an old person lying at rest. Death is random and sometimes it comes way too soon and often it makes no sense. Even when you're a Christian, it makes no sense and Jesus gets it. He gets it. He knows for us it makes no sense. He knows the randomness and the hurt and the pain of it. It's a random thing, death, and that's what makes it so painful. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, that's Lazarus, is sick. They went to the right place. They went to Jesus. And if you are facing death yourself, and some of you will in this room, yes, it's awful, but there's enough here to say that some of you will in the next few years. If you're facing death or someone you love is facing death, this is my message. I can't explain it. I can't explain the randomness of it. I don't understand why little children always get taken, because they do. But what I can say to you is when this happens to you, when it visits you, whether it's you or someone you love, go to Jesus, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. I know no other place to send people but to Jesus. I can't philosophize with people. I can't theologize. There's not many doctrines that will bring them comfort, but I know this, that if you encourage people to Jesus, if you go to Jesus as the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead who is real, will come and he will comfort and he will take you through that journey. Amen. Amen. And what an awful experience it must be to face death, whether it's you or someone you love, without Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And these sisters went to Jesus. And I tell you that Jesus loves people. And Jesus walks this road with you. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God and to his glory of his Son. This is interesting here. This sickness. Now, you know the story. I want you to follow this. Lazarus dies. If this was a movie, I'd get into trouble because I'm giving you the end. Well, not complete end, but the end before, you know, while the movie's getting going. Lazarus dies. Now, Jesus is a truth teller. I've never known Jesus to tell a lie, and yet he says this sickness will not end in death, and yet we know Lazarus died. And every time I visit someone in the hospital who I know is going to die and who is in the Lord, I say to them, I sit next to their bedside, I grab their hand, man or woman, doesn't matter. And I look them in the eye and I say, don't worry, this sickness will not end in death. Hallelujah, amen. amen. And I'm not a raiser of the dead, I wish I was, but I'm not. You may see that before Jesus comes, mind you. But I'm not. But I can say with confidence to you today, to those watching this on television, If you've got a sickness, it will not end in death, just as surely as Lazarus did not. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that's Mary, and he loved Lazarus. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. This is so important, this scripture. We miss it altogether. In this verse here, God's got a message for you. Now, Jesus loved Martha. That's important. He loved her sister and he loved Lazarus and he loved you. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Oh, come on, Jesus. You, you know, if, if you're there, you're in a disciple, you, you're pushing him. Come on, Lazarus. He's your friend. He's sick. Get there. Get there fast. Heal him or he'll die. And Jesus doesn't move. He stays where he is for two days. Now, now hear me. Often, you know, I, in the last 14, 15 years at Wurunga, I had some amazing experience. I can think of three people who we anointed who were going to die. One lady had breast cancer. She had weeks to live. She was having an operation the next day. We, she came into the church. We got the elders around her. We anointed her. You know that she went in for an operation. On the Monday, she was anointed on the Sabbath. This is a pastor's wife who came to our church at Wurunga. She goes into the sand on the Monday to have her operation. They opened her up. The doctors left the maze. They said, look, we can tell you've had cancer because when you had cancer, it's like a bushfire going through your body and everything's left black. Yeah, look, you've had cancer, but you know what? You're healed. There's not a sign of cancer everywhere, anywhere. And yet for those three people, there are at least another 25, 30 people that we buried we prayed the same prayers. We used the same oil of anointing, yet we buried them. I think of a young father, two kids under three. We buried him. I think of my mate, not even 50 last week, the week before. We prayed the same prayer. We all thought, I was so confident that he was going to get better. I had no doubts in my mind. And Lizzie, you were with me when I found out through a friend who, who Facebooked me with a message and I let go of an audible gasp because I couldn't believe the guy died. Sometimes it seems Jesus doesn't come and it hurts. It was painful. And I've seen the families in my church as well. Yeah, healed the pastor's wife. What about my husband? And I'm left with two kids and the weeping. Sometimes, and I feel emotional when I say this because I've been involved with it for so long with our church members and the people in, the, in our community, sometimes it seems that Jesus doesn't come. Read this story. Read this story. Stay in the boat with Jesus. Hold on. Because if you are a believer, nothing for you ever ends in death. Nothing. Verse 8, after two days, Jesus decides to go back. And the disciples say to him, well, Rabbi, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? Doesn't matter what opposition he has, no power on earth or heaven or hell, no power anywhere can stop Jesus coming to you. Do you hear that? 
No power, no person, no government, no demon, not Satan himself, not the combined powers of hell themselves can stop Jesus coming to you when he chooses to. He will come. It's a promise. He will come. And Jesus goes back. Now, there's a little interesting theological byplay here between Jesus and his disciples, and I'm not sure why more Christians don't take notice of what Jesus himself has to say about death. Verse 11, Jesus, he says, After this, Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Now hear this, hear this, hear this. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And sometimes when we lose our loved ones, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we acknowledge they're asleep, they're dead, but Jesus is coming to wake them up. Amen. It's a promise. Jesus is coming to wake them up. The experience of a Christian, of an Adventist who has faith in Christ, never ends in death. Hallelujah. Never ever, because Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And I can tell you, the world can do what it wants. Jesus is coming. The world can disbelieve. Atheism and evolution can flourish. Wickedness can be advanced to the point that they legalize it. Doesn't matter. In the end, the king will step down off his throne and he's coming to wake up those who have fallen asleep in him. And it is asleep. My dad had an operation last week on his back. Actually, my mum did too. (laughs) They went into the same hospital on the same day having operations. My dad has an operation on his back. I was surprised because I said, I've had a few operations myself. How did it feel when they put the needle in you? And, 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 you know, I'm the sort of guy, I don't like to be cornered and I don't like to be other than with God in the hands of anyone other than Lizka and God. (laughs) I I don't like it. I, I... and when they're trying to put me to sleep, I'm going, no, no, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to stay up. I don't know what I'd want to stay awake for because I said, what was it like, Dad? Well, they, he, they put a mask on his face and they gassed him. I said, well, I didn't think they did that in 2015. But apparently they did. not I said, what was it like? He said, well, one minute I was awake. The next minute I'm waking up in recovery. That's death. Oh, did you have any dreams? No. Did you think anything? No. Did you have any... No. No consciousness, nothing. Just sleep. Deep, unconscious sleep. And for many who die of old age or in pain from sickness, the sleep of death is a relief. Amen? I often think by the time I get really old, I'm old but really old, I think I might be happy to lie down and go to sleep and wait for Jesus to come. I think I might be happy. Death is asleep. Let's finish this story. It's a beauty. On arrival, Jesus found Lazarus already been in the tomb for four days. And this is why he turned up late 
It was perp. God, God, Jesus, God, always has a purpose. Today, many of our family and friends are in the tomb. Some went there too young. Some of us have buried our children. Some have buried parents, brothers and sisters, or wives or husbands or people who are close to them. They're in the grave. Some have been in the tomb for many years. Jesus is proving a point here. If you die, or someone you love dies, don't panic. Have hope. Time and how long they've been there has nothing to do with it. Now, like this verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And this is interesting, but Mary stayed at home. Something's wrong here. Mary never stays at home. Mary is the one when Jesus is around, she's always with him. Mary's at his feet, pouring perfume over him. She's always there, so much so that Martha get annoyed with him. She's like, get out here and do some work, Mary. You're always with Jesus. What's wrong with you? But Martha comes to meet Jesus. Here's Martha, a woman of faith. She's doing something that Mary hasn't. I wonder why Mary didn't come. I wonder. I don't know. Maybe she stayed home because she'd lost her faith in Jesus as Messiah and I see it happen all the time when we lose people we love. We lose our faith. We don't go to Jesus. Mary should have went to Jesus. She should have rushed to him, but she stayed at home. Martha went. Martha, the one who cops it all the time in the Bible, as being the worker, is not really interested in Jesus, not as faithful and loyal as Martha. Here she is, Martha, walking to Jesus. Her brother has died, and the byplay here is beautiful. Lord, Martha said, verse 21, if you'd been here, this is faith. My brother would not have died. I know you could heal him, Lord. But I know that even now, this is beautiful, must have made Jesus almost weep. But I know even now, God, that, that God will give you whatever you ask. You are the Messiah. You can, this is a statement of faith. Well, we need to, we need to stand by the gravesides of our loved ones and we need to say, Lord, we're hurt. We're in pain. We're in darkness. But we know even now that you can do through, through, through the power of God anything that you choose to. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection the last day. Interesting, interesting theology there. He's not in heaven, he's not in hell. Imagine Lazarus. He's in heaven. And Jesus gives him the call to come back here to earth. If I'm Lazarus, I'm not happy, are you? (laughs) Lazarus is asleep. He's not in heaven, he's not in hell. Martha's leading the way. She's a woman of faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, oh, I love this. This is the climax of the service. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he may die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? You hear what Jesus said? You never die. Oh, you just go to sleep. That's not death, it's sleep. It's not death, it's sleep. It's not death, it's sleep. Do you hear me? You'll never die. You'll just sleep. Most stunning text, I think, in all the Bible. I am, says Jesus. I'm the resurrection and the life. Listen to me. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the hope that burns inside my heart. It doesn't matter what anyone says. I'll never give that away. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, so eventually she comes. She fell at his feet. Lord, she's devastated. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
and, and I feel the emotion of this. I, I feel like you kind of feel the tears welling as you get into this story. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He wept for Mary. He wept for you and me. He wept for the human race. He wept because we've got to face and experience death. He wept for us. He's a saviour who lived our infirmities through to the death himself. And then the miracle. It would be amiss of me to try and describe this miracle in my own words. I think to do that, I'll take away the power of the story. I want to read verse 38 to 43 straight for how John, who was an eyewitness to this, describes it. And as I read it, I want the truth and the promise that Jesus is giving us here to seep into, to sink into your heart. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. This is Jesus dealing with death. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Be quiet, Martha. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, people, you will see the glory of God. You will. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, oh, imagine the scene. The whole universe is watching with bated breath as God himself confronts death, looks death in the eye and makes a promise to humanity. Until he returns, he makes a promise that we can believe in, grab hold of. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Someone once said he had to say Lazarus or everybody would have come forth. Lazarus, he is the resurrection in the life. Like Rollerman, Joe, Mary, Nigel, These are all people I know. Come forth. Come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus lives. I am the resurrection and the life, said Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. No matter what you go through, let Jesus in your heart. He'll resurrect you no matter what you go through. No matter what you go through, he will resurrect you. And now I finish. Here's the promise for us. Paul the great apostle. Jesus went to the cross not long after this. On this hill far away, he went there and he paid for yours and my sins. Get on your knees 
Invite him into your heart. Let him be the saviour. Let the third person, the Godhead, the Holy Spirit come down and guide and direct your life. Let him take it over. Let him possess you. Pray for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because Lazarus' experience will be yours if you die. And so we come down to the end of time. Paul, this great apostle, he's preaching to the church. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. They're facing a crisis. They believe like we do that they would see Jesus come. Some of the older people, some of the young people, some of the kids are beginning to die. And they're devastated because Jesus hasn't returned. And this is what Paul writes to them. And this is what I want to leave you with. It's what I want to leave Stephen Fry with. For soon and very soon the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Fantastic. God knows your DNA code. He knows exactly how you're made because he made you in the first place. He's going to recreate you. But when he recreates you, he's going to take the sin and the fallenness out of the DNA. And in an instant, in, in a moment, 1 Corinthians 15, you're going to be recreated. Perfect. I'm going to see my grandmother died at 101. She's a crinkled old little lady. She said to me, I often say this in church, oh, she said just before she died, oh, I'm a young woman. I can't remember very well, but I'm a young woman caught in an old body. And she's 101 years old. We don't live long enough to get old. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are changed. We are resurrected. Hope, 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 hope. And so when I put, when we take the little casket of a little child I buried in my first year of ministry and we lay it in the ground and the parents are weeping and the devastation, the only thing I've got is Jesus and the resurrection. Amen? Amen. I've got nothing else. Jesus and the resurrection. And because I've got that, I've got everything. I've got everything. Then together with them who are still alive, as some of you probably, and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. There's the Easter story in a nutshell. Amen.